Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 111, Being Hard on Yourself or Beating Yourself Up. It's April 12, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, podcaster, etc. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way. My music is by Howie Moscovich. Being hard on yourself or beating yourself up. Oh, my, 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 people. This is a very significant and important topic. One, because it's extremely common. It is one of the most common behaviors that people engage in that is deeply hurtful and harmful. It's pervasive. It also is significant because it inhibits people from doing things that they would love to do or want to do. And I've got really great news for you. There are things you can do to address this issue. So let's get going. If you happen to be new to my content, I hope you will visit my website and enter my current giveaway because that would make me happy. My website is www.lisaalundy.com. Here is my next important piece, which is my disclaimer. I am not a therapist. I am not a medical professional. And nothing that I say in this podcast or any of my content is intended or designed to be taken as medical or therapy advice. You as a person should get your medical or therapy advice from a licensed healthcare provider, of which I am not. If you are listening to this podcast right now and you are feeling hopelessly depressed, suicidal, thinking that your life doesn't matter or the world would be better off without you, I am begging you to stop right now and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. I am telling you, people care about you. You might not feel that way, but people do care about you and there is help available. So please make that call. My next note of importance is for the deaf and hard of hearing community. I currently have transcripts for all of my podcasts on the RSS hosting platform. And in the coming weeks or as soon as possible, I will also have the same transcripts on my website. But currently, within an hour to two hours after a new podcast is uploaded, a a transcript is being generated on RSS.com. The other note for the deaf and hard of hearing community is that I'm really working to improve my speech, my patterns of speaking, my pronunciation, 
so that you are left with a more accurate and better transcript. So I hope you hope you will bear with me. I, I would like to think I'm improving and I'm not really sure, but I'm trying. All right, so what do I mean by being hard on yourself or beating yourself up? Well, I have to say right out of the gates that I think based on my whole life that everybody in the world knows what I'm talking about when I say being hard on yourself or being beating yourself up. So what I am talking about, just in case you're unclear, is, you know, your own criticism of yourself, being less than kind to yourself compared to other people. Now, you may have people in your life who are very harsh on you, so that might not be a good benchmark, but I'm talking about judging yourself harshly, condemning yourself, being unkind to yourself. So you get a visual. What I sometimes will say when I'm in a coaching relationship with someone is take the bat out of your hand. Take the baseball bat out of your hand and stop beating yourself up. Now, there are so many reasons or factors that play into this or contribute to this, which I am going to be covering in this podcast, but you get the idea. This is something that is very common. And if you have certain characteristics or certain traits, then it's more likely that you're going to be someone who's very hard on themselves or beats themselves up. Now, there is something that everyone has called, that's called an inner critic. And the, that part of your mind, the inner critic, their job is to judge and condemn you to say mean and nasty things. And, and everyone has an inner critic. And when you recognize that you have an inner critic, then sometimes when you're beating yourself up or being hard on yourself, it might actually be, or it could actually be the inner critic. However, there are so many other pieces, which is what I'm going to cover today that could be, in play as well. So if you have high, healthy, not high, but healthy self-esteem and you feel good about yourself and you feel deserving and you catch yourself beating yourself up, then it's probably more likely that it might be your inner critic. Now I have to tell you, I am so deeply blessed that from a young age, I have had rational thinking and and healthy self-esteem. And I don't mean, when I say healthy self-esteem, I don't mean self-esteem that's connected to or attached to or hooked up to accomplishments or successes or a role or a position. I'm talking about independently, just feeling worthy, deserving, feeling good about yourself. So as someone who's had healthy self-esteem and rational thinking for my entire life, this whole idea of the way and the magnitude that people beat themselves up really came forth out of some of the many coaching relationships I've had with people because it's not something that I experienced in a big way in any way, shape, or form, which is also partially because I walk around in life being present. Now, I didn't know I walked around in life being present until about 2008, 
when I was with a group of ladies and they were talking about this whole concept of being present. And I came over to the table. I was cooking or I don't know what I was doing, something. I came over to the table. I was very curious. What, what does that mean? What is being present? And they started laughing hysterically. So I'm standing there. Now I pulled up a chair. Now I'm sitting down. Of course, I don't understand why they're laughing or what's so funny. And then after they got themselves together enough to stop laughing, they said, well, Lisa, you walk around in life present. So that's what you do. I said, well, that doesn't help me understand what it is. When you are present in the moment in life, your mind is not off ruminating or brooding or thinking about anything else. You are just there, fully in the moment, fully experiencing life in that moment, which was an entirely new concept to me. Then I had to leap over that and, and try to understand, oh my gosh, if you weren't present, what would that be like? Like I couldn't imagine what it was like because I didn't know anything different. So it's been a rude awakening over many years for me to begin to understand, and I deeply now, deeply, deeply understand what happens for too many people, and in fact, I would assert the majority of people. So what we're going to cover is, I'm going to first start out with, so if you're somebody who beats yourself up or you're really hard on yourself, just sit back and let this wash over you. I am going to give you actions and strategies that you can take to begin to tame this beast. Because for some of you, it, it thwarts you in life. It stops you from taking actions. It stops you from doing things that you would really love to do and you know you would love to do. But you've flattened yourself out. You're laying on the ground having, you know, beat yourself up for for. Sometimes it goes on for days for people or even weeks. So what are some of the causes? What are some of the causes that contribute to someone being hard on themselves or beating themselves up? So I have a short list here. Low self-esteem, a raging inner critic, irrational thinking, Brooding, ruminating, overthinking, catastrophizing, negative thinking, lack of self-awareness, unreasonable expectations, comparing yourself to others and usually coming up short, making unfair comparisons, disempowering attitudes and beliefs separate from low self-esteem, unhealed traumas and wounds, that get triggered in the current time or present time. Another cause is having seen this behavior modeled when you were young. So you were literally conditioned or trained. This is, this is how you do life. Making a mistake or getting it wrong, in particular, if you were raised that you were supposed to be perfect or you ended up trying to be perfect to win approval or win love or win affection or win praise. Dysfunctional family is a huge origin for beating yourself up globally in general. And mistreatment or bullying by a sibling 
is another source for where people, what causes people to beat themselves up or be hard on themselves. And the sibling mistreatment or sibling bullying, by the way, according to the research, occurs in up to 80% of young people. Now, I did take another dive and I found some research that said up to 85%, regardless. So this is a list of 14 plus sources for why you might beat yourself up or why you might be really hard on yourself. And the way that this shows up in life, so there's, it's very interesting how the impact or how it shows up in your, in your life. So one way I, I know this, I hope, I hope you guys don't do this, but I, I can be rest assured that at least a few people do is, which is, you know, physically slapping or punching yourself or, or, you know, hitting yourself. And I, and I know people who have done that. Another way it shows up is cutting. That's become a growing phenomenon, self, self-harm and uh, self-medicating and addictions can also be a way it shows up because you feel bad about yourself. You feel you're beating yourself up. And so you then dive into whatever your addiction of choice is to numb your feelings and feel better. Sometimes it will show up in verbal statements that you make to other people. For example, I should have known, I should have done this, I wish I had this, I wish I had done that, I wish I, I'm so stupid, I'm a loser. These are statements that people actually say out loud in life that you can hear them say that are examples or a demonstration that they're being hard on themselves. Feelings of depression, anxiety, withdrawing from people, retreating from people, cocooning from people is another way that being hard on yourself or beating yourself up can manifest or can be a sign of that. Not taking care of yourself physically in your appearance and taking care of yourself, your your body, your mind, etc. can be another way that manifests beating yourself up or being hard on yourself. And mindless binge watching of shows and procrastination. There's a, there's a number of different ways that can be signs that someone might be beating themselves up. Now, you might just be binge watching something that has nothing to do with you beating yourself up. So that's not just because you've been binge watching something doesn't mean you're beating yourself up. But sometimes when people are beating themselves up or being really hard on themselves, they will just check out check out, retreat, cocoon, binge watch, whatever, do their addiction. So, so I want to, before I start talking about some specifics to this, I want to talk about what I call spiraling out of control or the runaway train. Because for some people, if they have enough of these pieces that I'm going to be talking about, when they, they get triggered, it could be from an event, it could be from something that happened, It could be from a mistake they feel like they've made or something they got wrong. It could be anything. Then they get triggered and they go down, kind of down the rabbit hole. They spiral downward. It is very much like a runaway train or falling down the rabbit hole. And then what happens is they, everything just gets out of control. 
and they end up, now this, for some people, this will go on for days and they can't get out of it. Well, they can't get out of it because then they're brooding over it and they're ruminating. I shouldn't have worn that outfit. I shouldn't have said that. Oh, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. They end up like flat on their back. Like they're, they're, there's inertia. They can't pull themselves back up. And, and it is like that for some people. Well, I don't know how many people, but I suspect based on some of the pieces that I am going to cover that play into this, it's fairly reasonably high. And if this has a familiar ring to you, then ding, 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 this is for you because we want to interrupt that. And, and we know from psych, uh, the psychoneuroimmunology science that there is a mind-body connection. So you want to take advantage of psychoneuroimmunology and bring these things to bear so that you're happier and healthier. So that's a piece for some people. If you have healthy self-esteem like myself and you're present and you're a rational thinker, then, then it would be very infrequent that you would beat yourself up because it would literally only be your inner critic that's, that's raging. So I want to give you four short-term strategies before I get into the pieces that escalate this or the pieces that contribute it to it so that you have a sense right off the bat that there's, 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 you could have an end to this. This does not have to be your predictable future. So number one is learning how to control your mind. You can learn to control your mind. You can learn to be present. You can learn to control your emotions and your behaviors. That has been done since the beginning of humanity. It's been written about for thousands of years. I do have a podcast titled Learn, Learning to Control Your Mind, and I do talk about some steps that you can take to begin to learn to control your mind. And if you are one of the people who has a tendency or you frequently beat yourself up, or you are hard on yourself, this would be the beginning of a whole new life for you. But it would start for you with learning the, the skills and, and abilities that it takes to control your mind, your thoughts, and your emotions. So that's number one. Number two is the emotional piece, which is a huge piece emotional regulation and emotional skills which fall under the umbrella of emotional intelligence because your thoughts and your emotions are intimately tied together they're, they're married together you think a great thought you feel happy you think something horrible you're not now you're not feeling great like your emotions and your thoughts are tied together in a particular way and depends on who you are and how that is for you but learn emotional intelligence, that is going to be very helpful for you. As you're working through this, like my hope is that if you beat yourself up or you're hard on yourself, that you, as you're listening to this podcast, think, oh, yeah, it would be great not to beat myself up. It would be amazing not to be so hard on myself. Yes, I'm going to do that. 
and dive right in. And so I'm going to give you two little suggestions that are going to support learning to control your mind and learning emotional skills and emotional regulation. Number one of the, of, this isn't actually number three in my list, but it's the subset of learning to control your mind and your emotions, which is to flip the switch on your emotions. I have a YouTube video on flipping the switch on your emotions. I have a Newsweek article. It's on newsweek.com on flipping the switch for your, of your emotions. This is going to help you. This is where you take an intentional action. You premeditate. You figure this out in advance. What are the five things? What are the 10 things I can do while I'm at work or while I'm not at work that will instantly boost my mood? doesn't solve the problem. So this is not a, this is a stopgap measure, but what are the things I can do that I know will boost my mood? And then you make a list. So you know, here's five things. Here's eight things. Number one, it's going to help you feel better. Number two, it is going to distract your mind from whatever it is. In this case, let's assume you recognize you're beating yourself up or you're being hard on yourself. So you think, ah, I just caught myself. I'm beating myself up. I'm being hard on myself. So I'm going to flip the switch on my emotions. And I know if I go, you know, for a bike ride or I go for a walk or I read something inspirational or I call a friend, I will feel better. It also distracts your mind from the fact that you've been beating yourself up. So it kind of gives your brain a little break. But in the process, what it's also doing is it's training your brain and helping you to build emotional regulation skills because you're teaching yourself and your brain, hey, when I'm not happy, when I'm beating myself up or being hard on myself or I'm sad, I can actually, or I'm upset with someone, I can actually flip my emotions. I can change my emotions. I can regulate my emotions by doing something intentional. So it actually is very, very helpful in skill building to have that little technique. Now it is a stopgap technique. It's not going to fix your problems, but it's very helpful. And the next little subset suggestion is to journal or write down your feelings. So when people go down the, the, the rabbit hole on beating themselves up or being hard on themselves, sometimes they, they just, they can't stop. It's like they cannot stop it. My suggestion for journaling it or writing it down or getting on your laptop and starting a Word document is you're giving your mind a place. So you're going to write everything down, every little nasty, blessed thought you're thinking, and you can save it. If it's on the computer, you can save it, or if it's a piece of paper or journal, you can save it. But then your mind knows you've captured it. So your mind doesn't have to be, you know, running off to, to wherever because you've captured it. Which, by the way, this is also a good technique if you have some emotions or some conversation or something that involves someone else, but now is not the time. So you can capture your emotions, capture your thoughts and your feelings or whatever. And, and then save it for a time when it is a good time. But if you go down the runaway train, spiraling downward because you're beating yourself up or being hard on yourself, then I would implement that technique because you can do it right until you have nothing left to say. Right? Everything, just pour it all out and 
save the document or close the journal or put the paper away and go do something to boost your mood. That's going to give your brain a distraction and hopefully you, you'll pull yourself out. So those are some little suggestions before I want to really take a little peek into what is causing this for you. Why are you so hard on yourself and why or why do you beat yourself up? Well, I've got lots. There's lots of reasons. And by the way, I'm like, they're not your fault. And that's the good news. So you don't need to beat yourself up that you beat yourself up. You don't need to be hard on yourself that you're hard on yourself. But how about you get a little break by going, oh, yeah, and it's not my fault, but there's something you can do about it. So one of the sources for many people of being hard on themselves or being beating themselves up comes from a dysfunctional family in their childhood. If you go online and look up adverse childhood experiences, that's adverse childhood experiences. The abbreviation is ACE. There's a test. You can take the test and I, and I recommend take the test, see what your score is. But it's extremely likely you probably started beating yourself up as a child in response to the family of origin dynamic. That's just extremely likely. It's, it's very predictable. And the other thing I just recently came across, which I, I haven't, I've started to do a little, little peek into the research, which could be helpful. I think this has some potential for helping people to heal and uh, move forward in their life, which is called a family narrative. So it looks on the surface from the research that a family narrative can help improve mental health, improve self-esteem, and build resilience, which are pretty significant benefits. So I'm still um, on the fence, like I haven't done enough research, I haven't talked to enough people, I haven't explored it enough to say, oh yes, I recommend that. But I will say it looks very promising to me. So your family of origin, which includes, by the way, any sibling mistreatment or bullying. I mean, hopefully you can see if you were a child and you had a perfectionist mother or perfectionist father and nothing you did was ever right in their eyes, you would probably end up beating yourself because you just want their love and affection. You just want their approval. You want them to love you. And frequently, by the way, love and affection is missing in families. Love is missing. Like it's the big missing. And if you happen to grow up in a family where you were bullied or mistreated by a sibling or siblings, plural, that could easily make you feel like you're not good enough, you're not worthy, and then you beat yourself up in those ways. So that's one big source. The next piece, so some of you are going to have all of these pieces. And it's like when I get to the end, you'll be like, well, gee whiz, it is no wonder I beat myself up. It is no, no wonder. And then you can have a breakthrough because you can actually take actions on these different areas. So the first piece is dysfunctional families and or sibling treat, bullying or mistreatment. 
The second piece, which is extremely common in the world, is low self-esteem. According to all reports, and I keep looking it up and finding the same thing, according to all reports, low self-esteem self in the world is running at around 85%. Around 85% of the population has low self-esteem, which means that it is pervasive. It means that it is beyond common. It actually means it's the norm. I hate to say it because that really does not make me happy. What would make me happy is 85% of the population having healthy self-esteem. So with you have, if you have low self-esteem, you could be a CEO, you could be wealthy, you could be successful beyond all means and all recognition. But what low self-esteem means is you don't feel worthy. You don't feel deserving. You might not feel lovable. You might not feel like you have been well-loved. This is an internal feeling that you have, and it is also a filter. When you have low self-esteem or when you have healthy self-esteem, you, you will filter life through either one of those. And I think it's particularly helpful for you to understand what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, and by the way, I am not talking about conditional self-esteem. Conditional self-esteem, which I never even knew there was something other than the self-esteem I know of. <laughs> but conditional self-esteem is when you're feeling good about yourself tied to your money or tied to your success or tied to the fact that you're a mother or a father or you're, you're, you're feeling good about yourself is tied to something. So it's conditional. Now that is not what I'm talking about. And that's not what, where I want the world to go. I want people to feel good about themselves, feel deserving, feel, feel the love, be loved, be, feel lovable in their own right not tied to something that they've done or that they're doing or that they did. So just want to make that piece clear because it never even occurred to me until recently that there's this whole idea of conditional self-esteem. So I just want to make that very clear. I'm talking about you feeling good about yourself, independent of other things. Now, one of the ways to demonstrate difference or the distinction between low self-esteem and, and healthy self-esteem is by example. So in this example, we have a high school graduating senior who is kicked out of their family home without a car, without money, without resources. And that student graduating from high school feels like, oh, see, I'm a bad kid. I'm, I'm a loser. My other sibling was not kicked out, so I'm a bad kid. I'm horrible. I have no redeeming qualities. That would be what a child, a graduating senior who had low self-esteem would be thinking. If we took the same exact example, a graduating senior being kicked out of their family home with no car, no money, no resources, that graduating senior who happens to have healthy self-esteem is not thinking that. They're thinking, what the what? I'm a great kid. Any parent would be proud to have me. Look, I'm the one that 
my friend's parents want their kid to hang around. Look at how good I am. What's wrong with you? What? You know, that's a big difference. That's a complete, complete, complete difference. It's the same circumstances, but you can see that self-esteem, whether it's low or healthy, is a filter. So people who have low self-esteem, in my opinion, often hear criticism when none is intended. They hear negativity when none is intended. It's a filter. If you have low self-esteem, you're not feeling good about yourself, then of course you're going to beat yourself up. Of course you're going to be hard on yourself. Like that's kind of part of the territory. So uh, the other thing about uh, low self-esteem, which I just recently discovered, is it, low self-esteem is often married with or travels in a pack with irrational thinking, which was a huge epiphany to me. Like it came to me actually while I was working on this podcast. And I thought, oh, I better look in the research and see, you know, is there a relationship between low self-esteem and irrational thinking? And it clearly looks like there is. I will say more about that in weeks or months or whatever, but it's a fascinating idea. So regardless, low self-esteem, you are not stuck with that. You can build self-esteem. Now you do not work on self-esteem per se. You do other things. So by the end of this podcast, you will be very clear about the things you could go to work on and the working on those things will help you build self-esteem. The next piece that contributes to someone who will beat themselves up or is really hard on themselves is lacking self-awareness. So the reason that self-awareness is so important, outside of the fact that it's a foundation for emotional intelligence, is it becomes a test or barometer for the truthfulness. So sometimes people are beating themselves up and being hard on themselves because their sense of self-awareness is so lacking that they really aren't using a true picture. They're not, their barometer is off because their self-awareness is off. So when thoughts are running through your mind, you know, you're not, you're paying attention to them and sometimes not awake and aware that they might not be valid. So what are you saying out loud? Well, sometimes the things that we say out loud are very telling, like very telling. We frequently don't listen to ourselves talk. So self-awareness will help you build emotional skills because it is the foundation for emotional intelligence. But it's also kind of one of the pieces where you want to begin to look and see, hmm, Am I thinking rationally? Would someone who thought rationally and had healthy self-esteem, would they think the same way? Would they come to the same conclusion? Would they feel the same? Like, like I don't know, but self-awareness is very important, not just for emotional intelligence, but for how you do life. It, it actually is the reason why some people fling themselves under the bus. They don't have self-awareness to recognize 
their own actions. So self-awareness or the lack thereof can contribute to you beating yourself up. And the next piece, and by the way, I don't know how self-aware you are. Like there's plenty of emotional intelligence tests out there you can take for free. That does measure more than just self-awareness, measures the five components of emotional intelligence. But you want to begin to wake up and assess and determine, am, is my, am I self-aware? Do I recognize the impact I have on the world or other people? I don't know, but that would be a very critical piece. Self-awareness. You want to have self-awareness no matter what you do. The next piece that comes into play for people who are routinely or frequently or regularly beat themselves up or are hard on themselves is the way they think coupled with their attitudes and beliefs. So, for example, negative thinking, brooding, ruminating, overthinking, and catastrophizing are ways of thinking that can escalate or or put gasoline on the fire for being hard on yourself. Like you can just imagine you were at a party or you were at an event or you wanted to do something and then you start being hard on yourself or you start beating yourself for what you wore, or what you said or what you didn't do or what you, some mistake you made. And then if you're, if you are ruminating or brooding or you're catastrophizing or you're thinking negatively, it just could spiral, like completely spiral. Those are ways of thinking. Not everybody broods, not everybody ruminates, not everybody catastrophizes or overthinks. It's, I think it's extremely common, but not everybody does that. So part of one piece is how you think. Another piece of how you think is whether your thinking is rational or not. Now, I only became aware of irrational thinking in, in the last decade. And uh, so I've been expanding and expanding my, my understanding and my appreciation for rational thinking versus irrational thinking. So if you have irrational thinking, which by the way is common, that you're in the majority. From what I can tell, it's either over 50% or it's up to 90%. I'm, I'm unsettled about the statistic. I've been looking and looking. What, what do the reports say? What does the research say? What percentage of the population in the world thinks irrationally? irrationally. So I'm not settled on that because if I'm going to give you a number, I want to be really settled. I want to be very confirmed that it is the right and correct number. And I did find a site in recently that is saying, they're saying it with confidence, but I'm just not going to buy into it without confirming it elsewhere, that up to 90% of the people are irrational. What does irrational thinking mean? What irrational thinking means is that you have a flawed way of thinking. Your thinking is inaccurate. That's what it means. My analogy is it is like looking at life through a carnival funhouse mirror where the image and life is distorted. However, 
you don't know it's distorted. If you're in a carnival funhouse, one of those house of mirrors, you know the image is distorted because you know you're at a carnival, you know you're in the funhouse mirror thing, and you know that. But irrational people who have irrational thinking, for the most part, do not know that. I do have a podcast on cognitive distortions well, that will help you begin to sort that out. But this, in my opinion, exacerbates a little to a lot the whole beating yourself up or being hard on yourself. So it's extremely common. And guess what? It's also very correctable. Do you want to have rational thinking? Well, yes, you do. You do not want to look at life from a flawed perspective. Of course you don't. And by the way, it's also coming to me that you, if you have a rational thinking, it was very predictable, almost guaranteed, that you developed that in childhood and it could have been as a response to dysfunction in the family or it could have been because that's how your parents were. They were irrational. So again, you don't, you get a free pass, but now you want to have this amazing life. So you are going to get to work hopefully on irrational thinking. Now, another piece in the whole thinking has to do with attitudes and beliefs. There are disempowering attitudes and beliefs, and there are empowering attitudes and beliefs. If you have disempowering attitudes or beliefs that can fuel beating yourself up, if you have the disempowering attitude or belief that the world is out to crush you, then everything you think is going to line up with that because that's your belief system. So I have materials that will help you with that, but this way you think the way you think, rational or irrational, Uh, whether you're negative thinking, brooding, ruminating, all of those things, or and attitudes and beliefs can deeply and dramatically impact the extent to which you beat yourself up or are hard on yourself, how long it lasts. And that is something, in my opinion, hopefully you would want to interrupt because you could. Now, the next piece I will mention briefly, which is the inner critic, because if you have low self-esteem, 85% of the people do, according to the research, according to the report, so that might be you or it might not be you, but if you have low self-esteem, it would be difficult to distinguish, is it your low self-esteem that's having you be hard on yourself or beat yourself up? Is it your irrational thinking, if you have irrational thinking, what is the source of that? And this is why I'm saying some of you, you've got all these pieces. And so it's really, really bad, but you have an inner critic. And the great thing about knowing that you have an inner critic, number one is that you now have that knowledge, but number two, you work on yourself. So you get to the point where you have healthy self-esteem, not conditional on your circumstances or your money or your relationships or what have you, but you have healthy self-esteem and you're rational, those two pieces, guess what? And you don't brood or overthink or catastrophize. You will know that it's your inner critic talking because you're not hard on yourself generally because you appreciate yourself. You think, Hey, I'm not perfect. I'm not trying to be perfect. I make mistakes but I'm doing the best I can and enjoying life. So it is valuable to know that you have an inner critic, regardless of where you are with your self-esteem, because that inner critic 
is going to be negative, judging you harshly, condemning you until you can recognize that's who's talking and you can tame it. And I would suspect from all the people I work with, you've got to get some other pieces kind of worked out before you'd be able to distinguish, oh, that's my inner critic. I mean, for me, that was all there was. So it was pretty easy. And it's a great journey. It's so wonderful. It's magical to be able to tell your inner critic where to go. And by the way, when you really get your inner critic tamed, it will hardly ever talk. It's like it will hardly ever talk. So the the next piece I'm just going to mention briefly, which is perfectionism. Oh boy. Well, I learned in the fifth grade that I am not a perfectionist. So <laughs> I, I did learn in the fifth grade that I'm not, I won't tell that story, but Many people grow up in these dysfunctional families, having been bullied or mistreated by a sibling, and they are going through life looking for love, looking for validation, looking for acceptance, just wanting to be loved and, and have uh, be appreciated. And perfectionism is one route that some people take course it would be exhausting trying to be perfect because nobody's perfect. So perfectionism, if you know that that's one of your things, I, I would strongly suggest you put on your list dealing with that. You'll have an immense amount of freedom when you can let go and let life not be perfect and recognize you deserve to be loved unrelated to being perfect. So perfectionism is another piece. Now, what would it be like if you were kind to yourself? What would it be like? What would your life be like if you didn't go down the rabbit hole on beating yourself up or being hard on yourself? Well, for some of you, you can't imagine what life would be like. I Listen, I, I know this because I've talked to people, I've coached over the years and said, what would life be like for you if you weren't so hard on yourself? And they, they just kind of say, well, I don't, I can't even imagine it. Well, you'd probably sleep better. You'd feel better. You'd probably look better. You'd have more fun. You'd have more happiness. Life would be very different if you were not relentlessly or however often beating yourself or being, or being hard on yourself. It would be a very different life. So I'm inviting you to have that very different life because we all know it does not feel good to beat yourself up or be hard on yourself. Now, I don't have a rich experience with that myself because I wasn't trying to be perfect. I had rational thinking. So when I made a mistake, I'd be like, whoops, I made a mistake and off I would go. I wouldn't be like, oh, you know, it's very much like when I learned that I didn't have any anger skills. <laughs> I'll still laugh at that because it was like, wow, oh my gosh, I have no anger skills. Woohoo! Now let's get going. Of course, I did say, hmm, how did that happen? Well, we know how that happened. And then I set about dealing with that. Like, you know, you could have anything you learn about yourself be exciting. You could have it be good. You could have it be great. I mean, I've learned some stuff about myself even this year. I'm not exactly like, woohoo. Well, actually, I am kind of. Like, I have run away from love, and I'm very guarded when it comes to a man, but that's kind of woohoo because there are workarounds for that, people. There really are. So what would your life be like if you were not so hard on yourself 
or didn't beat yourself up all the time. It would be amazing. All right, so I have some final suggestions for you in addition to the ones I already made earlier. But I want you to, number one, start with the recognition that if this is pervasive, if this is extremely common for you, then it begs for your attention. Like if you only periodically do this, you have, it's like a blip, that's different. But for many people listening to this podcast, this is a routine, regular occurrence. They become filled with self-doubts and then they start brooding, ruminating, whatever. Like if it's extremely common or frequent or it gets really bad, even if it's infrequent, then this is something I would request you put on your list as a high priority. And, and which segues into number two, which is to make a commitment today. You can wait till tomorrow. You can wait till next week, or you could never do it. That's if this is your life and you live it however you want to live it. I'm suggesting why not make a commitment today? Draw a line in the sand. Number three, to be able to begin to stop beating yourself up or stop being so hard on yourself, you will put yourself on the road to growth and development. All of my podcasts are about growth and development. Even my Newsweek articles, my YouTube videos, it's all about personal growth and development. So, do you want to spend the rest of your life beating yourself up and being hard on yourself? Well, I hope the answer is no. And if you do want to keep doing it, go right ahead. Assuming that you don't, my next suggestion is that you implement a reward system pronto. People run from change, flee from change, duck for cover when it comes to change. No, that's not for you because you you are going to have an amazing life. You are going to have a life filled with love, happiness, and all the good stuff. Get a reward system. I have a podcast on it. I have a Newsweek article about leveling up about it. Get a reward system for yourself. My next suggestion has to do with you being more successful in this area, which is to take people with you. Life is more fun when you have a buddy, a partner in crime, you know, a best friend or a team. Like teams can be phenomenal. I do suggest you make it playful and fun. Oh, yes. Like, can you imagine it? get a buddy or you have a group of people now you're going to create a neat a name I did just think, think yesterday in a podcast I think I'm going to end up creating some kinds of contests for personal growth teams whether it's teams of two or or you know like they have the amazing race only it's the amazing race to the best time of your life anyway take people with you have fun and be playful grow your emotions to be a superpower because that is one of the things that will help you in every area of, of life. Next, learn to control your mind. I know for some people listening to this podcast, that is such a novel idea. You cannot imagine it. I do understand that. I do. I get it. I work with people every week. At the same time, where do they end up? They end up learning to control their mind by going through the process in the steps. And it's very freeing. So put that on your list. And rational thinking 
hopefully goes on your list as well. Rational thinking is important. Okay, right from the pages of neuroplasticity and psychoneuroimmunology, I would request as the next item that you make love and happiness your high priorities. It may not seem like it makes sense, but I, I did a podcast uh, this week on neuroplasticity and psychoneuroimmunology and really the ways it can impact your life, which is phenomenal. So being well-loved, do you feel well-loved? Well, I don't know how you feel, but sadly, over the years since I did a YouTube video called Be Well-Loved, the one thing I found is most people do not feel well-loved. Well, they don't feel well-loved because starting in their family, when they were a child, they didn't feel well-loved. Or they didn't feel well-loved by both parents. So make love and happiness a priority. And I have a wide number, a lot of podcasts that will help you with happiness. Have healthy boundaries. I did a podcast. I think I did a podcast about that. I have to, I have to go look, check my list. At, but have healthy boundaries. It's very important. Uh, tame your inner critic. For a lot of you listening to this podcast, taming your inner critic is going to come later. Because in my opinion, it will be too hard for you to dis- distinguish or differentiate is it your irrational thinking? Is it your low self-esteem? Is it, you know, some disempowered? Like it would be too hard to pinpoint until you get some other things sorted out that it's your inner critic. But that is a great thing. Once you get your self-esteem cooking and you feel good, oh my, oh my heavens, I'm so excited for you because you don't have to have this for the rest of your life and I don't want you to have it for the rest of your life. And my last suggestion which will help you if you're beating yourself up or being hard on yourself is to learn assertiveness. And that will help, that will help you build self-esteem. It will help you feel better. It will help actually also in some instances with your self-awareness, but assertiveness is a phenomenal skill to have every, in every area of your life. So here's your takeaways. It's time to understand that you developing new skills and abilities so that you can be kind to yourself and compassionate with yourself is worth it. Like you are worth a little effort so that you have happiness and freedom and less bad days, fewer bad days. It's time to recognize that you beating yourself up, you know, while it's exceptionally common, it's the most common thing probably, it's really not necessary. It doesn't have to be your future. And lastly, make your life this rich, amazing journey to have like, pinch me, is this my life? Yes, I want you to have a pinch me, is this my life life? Why not? Because you could. If you're willing to take the actions. My call to action is simply, Share this podcast with the people you care about because I have never met anyone in my life who doesn't from time to time or on occasion beat themselves up or be hard on themselves. It is the most probably universal behavior that is not helpful. So share this podcast on social media. All right, that's it.
I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 111, Being Hard on Yourself for Beating Yourself Up. I absolutely hope you are going to take the bat out of your hands and start learning new habits and practices, skills and abilities to be kind and gentle with yourself. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically. And please consider sharing this on social media because it is one of the number one problems that people have that's painful. That's it. I love you. Take care for now.